Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning into Season 1, Episode 4 of TopCast, your service management podcast. Today, we're going to, to take a closer look at cultural change and how it can add value to your organization. So uh, let's get into it. What's going on, everybody? Like I said, welcome back and thanks for stopping by. Today, we're going to be chatting with the one and only Ben Scavuzzo. And while I could attempt a legendary introduction for Ben, uh, I shall let Ben introduce himself. So, Ben, how are you? Hi, everybody. I'm very well. How are you, Brady? I'm doing okay. I was hoping that you could share with the people, the listeners, uh, a little bit about yourself, what you do uh, at Top Desk, uh, and maybe something fun and exciting uh, as well. My name is Ben Scavuzzo. I'm a consultant here at Top Desk Canada, um, and I work with all kinds of different school boards and different Top Desk customers and help them help them change things, help them uh, do some organizational change. Probably the funnest thing about me is I like to go birding, and this weekend while on a walk around my neighborhood, I saw a Baltimore Oriole, which is unheard of here in Innisville, Ontario. So I was very <laughs> excited about that. <laughs> Amazing. The only Baltimore Oriole I've ever seen is the baseball team that frequently plays the Blue Jays. That's irrelevant, though. As for today's topic, as, as we usually do, we just jump right into it. So uh, cultural change was the uh, topic for this episode. And, and Ben, um, you've had your fair share of experience in, in stories you've told me. So I was hoping we could share with the listeners just a little bit about what cultural change means to you uh, and just your general opinion of it. Well, culture changes everything in life, really. You, you can't really go through much of anything in life without experiencing change. Um, and so I guess culture change is just experiencing and dealing with change as a group. Uh, me personally, in my experience uh, as, a, as a professional, uh, I've had to deal with a lot of uh, organizational change, uh, both as a restaurant manager. I, was, uh, I went from one restaurant to another and had to basically change the way we did everything. And that was, that was a significant culture uh, of service change. And of course, here at Top Desk, this is what we do all day, every day, is implement a new system and help people improve their, their processes and their, their culture. And then, of course, uh, I also worked for a grocery delivery company, and that was a startup business. And so it was almost like every week there was a cultural change as we moved to a new facility and merged a facility and then added a new delivery route. And as you continue to roll on, change is just inevitable. And so we just want to deal with it well together. Absolutely. Um, and just from your perspective, Ben, obviously you've had a few different roles that you just referenced there. Um, what sort of tips have you sort of learned along the way when it comes to tackling culture change and how has your uh, your knowledge of it evolved well i'd say my biggest tips for cultural change is tell everybody why you want to make the improvement and, and what you hope the benefits will be and then invite feedback um, i find most often the biggest reason for resistance to change is really people don't get it or they don't think it's going to help um, but obviously we're not doing changes that are going to make things worse, <laughs> right? <laughs> Almost always, you're trying to do a change that's going to make things easier, faster, more efficient. So it's really it's about it's about explaining to everybody why the change is valuable, why we hope it's going to help everybody, and hey, if it doesn't work, we'll 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 trace it back, uh, and inviting that feedback and and just explaining to everybody what's going on. I help I find helps a lot with buy-in first of all, but then also you know as you open this discussion, as you invite feedback, it just kind of opens up the opens up the 
floodgates, so to speak, and it allows everybody to feel like they can participate and they can offer solutions, and then you can actually get rolling with real improvements as everybody's engaged. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of the other aspect to this as well is is every organization kind of has a different belief system behind cultural change. So um, certain organizational cultures differ uh, drastically. So I was actually watching uh, a fairly recent TED Talk. I think it was from maybe a year or two ago. Um, it was called Creating Sustainable uh, Organizational Culture Change in 80 Days, and it was by Arthur Carmazzi, and I encourage everyone to go YouTube it. It's a, it's a quality video if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, organizational culture. Um, but one of the one of the key points that he brought up is sort of every organization, like I said, having different um, uh, change environments, I guess, or culture environments. So uh, one of the first ones was the blame culture, where there's a lot of uh, you know mistrust and 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 issues with that. Um, but the other end of the spectrum was obviously the leadership culture. So leadership enriched culture, where you have, um, I guess, leaders within an organization, sort of backing backing the change and so from from your perspective ben how would you uh approach a change in in any organizational culture um for maybe ones that are struggling with sort of more of a blame culture and ones that are a little bit further along so you bring up a good point with with blame culture versus enrichment culture um and why people are afraid of change basically um when you have a blame culture, no one wants to be responsible for the change, I think is one of the biggest things you bump into when you're trying to implement change in a, uh, in a blame culture uh, is, yeah, it's, it's a fearful experience, right? No one wants to be responsible for that thing that blew up. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also, I know from my experience that no change rolls out perfectly, right? Uh, usually there's an adjustment period and it often takes about a week or so for everybody to learn uh, and catch that new ebb and flow of the new way that we're packing the boxes or the new way that we're serving the dishes to the customer or whatever the services that you provide. Um, there's always there's always a little bit of bumpiness as we figure out, okay, yeah, I just have to step left instead of step right so that there's room for everybody to pick up whatever they need to pick up. If you're in a blame culture and you try and implement a new change, and then it doesn't work on the new day, first day. Well, then everyone's just gonna everyone's gonna blame everybody, and no one's gonna feel confident enough to suggest. Well, oh, if we just move this and this, then it might it might fit into place. Because then it's it's more of a snowball effect. Like every every suggestion is making the situation worse. Whereas you could have an opportunity to say, Hey, I have this idea. I think it might work. Here's why I want to do it. The leadership says, Okay, interesting. That idea might work and it might not. So I'm, I'm more switching over to the leadership enrichment uh, attitude here, which is mm -hmm. um, you suggest a change and the leadership isn't going to say, yes, it's the best idea I've ever heard or the worst idea I've ever heard. It's more saying it's worth a try. And then we can communicate it to everybody. Hey, this is worth a try. And if it works, it's great. And if it doesn't, that's fine. We can still continue to move forward. Absolutely. I think one of the one of the things kind of we we were almost touched on there, I guess, was the idea of how to approach a change. So in a lot of organizations and for a very long time throughout history, um, change has been made sort of from a top down approach, um, being that a, a few people at the top of an organization um, tend to make the decisions for the vast majority of people, whether that's, you know, five to 100 or 20 to 1000, whatever it may be. Um, but change is are much more sustainable and much more effective from the bottom up approach um, as per this this video that I referenced already. So I'm just kind of wondering 
in your experience with organizations, how can you help them um, transition and ensure that they have that sustainable change with one of those methods? Well, so first of all, I'll add a little caveat here. I'm a big fan of bottom-up change. I, I kind of think it's the only way to really get true engagement from your from your employees, aside from having a business that everyone truly believes in for moral reasons. Um, so to have bottom-up changes is absolutely essential in, in driving your organization forward. But that being said, bottom-up change on its own isn't going to work perfectly all the time, right? We could still have three great ideas and the three great ideas do not align well together. And sooner or later, we have to choose one of these three great ideas. So I will just add that little caveat that um, bottom up change doesn't mean anarchy, right? Uh, bottom up change more means creating a venue for people to, to suggest improvements and get it through management, vet it for feedback, and then roll it out to the team. And hopefully, every time somebody sees an idea from one of their teammates implemented and improve things, it inspires everybody else to start to think, hey, how can we make it better? How can we improve it? And then it inspires further improvement, inspires an attitude that says, okay, let's try stuff. It's worth trying stuff. Sometimes it works out. But that being said, you still need a process in place so that it it aligns and it flows and it's not just total chaos. So if I was to suggest a process, I would say, first of all, create a place for people to suggest improvements that management is gonna, gonna check every once in a while and, and consider implementing. Secondly, when you're ready to implement a change, you should tell everybody what the change you're planning is and invite feedback again and say, hey, everybody, do you see any problems here? Because they'll probably highlight some issues that, uh, that we could smooth over before the change comes. But the second part of that is it's gonna invite engagement and it's gonna invite participation because people are gonna feel like they're a part owner of this rather than it just being shoved down their throats. And then the next thing you want to do is when you implement the changes, create space and time to actually do it. Because like we said earlier, anytime you roll out a new process, it's bumpy for the first week or so while we catch a rhythm. And then you can start to really get the benefits. And then finally, when you've rolled out the change, ask everybody for feedback again, saying, how'd it go? Could we have done something better? Could we improve it more? And then that is actually the system. From there, you're rolling. From there, you're constantly improving. You're constantly finding benefits from this uh, without going hog wild and throw, turning the organization on its head. Yeah, those are all absolutely valid points. Uh, and one thing I just wanted to kind of touch on as well, you mentioned sort of the, the bumpiness with any change. Um, sort of applying it to the situation that uh, everyone's in right now, I guess, um, speaking on the pandemic, some people... Um, Obviously, we're a little bit resistant to change. One of the biggest changes people had was uh, now having to work from home and making that adjustment. Um, so I'm just wondering what you think about uh, those who strongly agree or, or were really easily adaptable to the to the change of working from home and, and sort of people who resist the change. Uh, you know what? The pattern applies across all changes. Some changes are going to work really, really well for some people, and they're immediately going to see the benefits. And some changes will not even affect a lot of people, and they really wouldn't notice the difference. And some people are going to be severely disrupted by a change. Uh, and I and I think that applies to the current situation, but I think it applies to almost any change. Uh, and how disruptive a change is to you probably depends on your role, depends on your experience, depends on how you're used to doing work, uh, depends on how much you work in the team. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it might work well or not work well for you. Um, and to me, it comes back to the same thing in the end. We have to invite feedback 
every time we do a change. Because the people who are happy to work from home and immediately gain the benefits, well, amazing, <laughs> rock and roll. But that's not, that's not what we were worried about when we rolled this out, right? We were worried about the people who don't know how to use the remote software or people who don't have a good situation at home to work from home with or whatever, uh, you know, maybe your role requires you to sign things in person and therefore it's difficult for you. Um, and that's why we need to invite feedback is as the person rolling out the change, you couldn't possibly know all the many, many different dozens of roles and contingencies and weird situations that apply throughout your organization. You're better off to roll it out as best you can invite feedback before you roll it out so you can hear about from the people who are going to have trouble with it. And then once you do it, you ask them again, hey, what's the trouble now? What are you struggling with right now? Let me see if I can ameliorate some of those things for you. And then you roll forward and you continue to improve because change is coming one way or the other. So last question here for you, Ben, uh, bringing it back to adding value um, with, you know, cultural change, things like that. Um, how can cultural change help organizations take uh, like their service desk to the next level or just the service management processes to the next level? So I'm going to make a broad generalization here that I don't have data to back up with. Perfect. But just to, to shoot from the hip here, I can safely say the organizations that I visit, it's often that I'll go to an organization and uh, I haven't seen them in six months and I'll come back and nothing's changed. It's exactly where we left off at the last point. We made some slight improvements and then I, I'll go away again. There's other organizations where I go away for six months, I come back and they've always got three or four ideas, one of which they've implemented, one of which what they want to ask me about and they say, oh, we wanted to try to do this for the library department, but we couldn't figure out how to get pictures of their books onto the thing. What do you think? Do you think this is possible? And the ones who have three or four ideas, first of all, their implementation team is always excited. Second of all, they're usually bringing more and more departments into their organizational change and into their improvements. And uh, and third of all, yeah, their environment is just better. It's stronger. What they're doing with the tool is so much more powerful. Um, and so if you want to get started with organizational change, if you want to make a difference with organizational change, if you want to improve your service environment, just start going, right? It's all about baby steps. Of course, you will take big steps too, and that's amazing. But the baby steps are going to be what helps you get the juices flowing, uh, what helps like... Uh, helps you iron out the kinks and allow everybody to adjust to changing. Because um, I think a lot of us would recognize that people who have done something a certain way for a decade are going to be less easily changed than someone who's been doing something a certain way for six months. So the more that our organization is in the habit of making minor adjustments and minor improvements, the more easy it is for us to say, hey, let's try this and everyone to say, oh, yes, I see the benefits of that immediately versus um, let's try this. And well, I've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> so so I'd say, yeah, just get the ball rolling and you will immediately see changes to your service environment. Now, of course, go for the big wins, right? Go for things like that, you know, that your organization is craving. Obviously, those are those are the best places to start. But if you are in the habit of making suggestions, asking for feedback, and then rolling out a cool idea, and if it works, you keep it, you will be many, many miles ahead next year than uh, if you just try and roll out something whenever you have to.
Thanks very much for your time today, Ben. We really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone else for tuning into uh, this week's episode. As always, we have more content on the way. Episode five coming at you in two weeks. Um, the primary focus for that is going to be enterprise service management and what that's all about. Again, we will leave the guest to mystery and you will have to tune in to find out. Thanks, everybody. If you found this useful, insightful, or just plain helpful to listen to, feel free to like or comment on the episode. And if you don't, well, they're only going to get better. Social media handles and links are down below. Take it easy, everybody.